Father, we just want to thank you, Father, this morning. Lord, even as we once again are found in your presence, O Lord, I pray, Lord, that you would speak to our hearts, strengthen us. Father, uh, strengthen us with your word. Your word says those who know their God will grow strong and they will do mighty exploits. It is those who know their God who will stand firm, unmovable and unshakable in the coming storm. That's what your servant, Apostle Paul, said, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection is what he said, O Lord. He confessed it and he taught all of us. I pray, Father, that it will become a reality in our lives. He said, I know whom I have believed. And I know that he is able to keep that which I have committed into his hands. Even until that day. And therefore this morning, enable us, Lord Father, to know you a little more. And even as we know you, let strength arise inside of our hearts. Let our convictions become stronger and let your anointing increase and break every yoke over our lives. Liberate us, release us, free us to serve you and worship you. We thank you, we praise you, we give you glory. For in Jesus' name, Amen. So if you can turn with me to Acts chapter 17. Uh, We looked at the last 29 to 31. 31. Therefore, since we are his offspring of God, we ought not to think that the divine nature is like gold or silver uh, or stone, something shaped by art and man's devising. Um, Look at that verse, verse 31. Uh, Truly these times of ignorance God has overlooked, but now commands all men everywhere to repent. Why? Because he has appointed a day on which he will judge the world in righteousness. By the man whom he has ordained, he has given assurance of this to all by raising him from the dead. So that is the coming event, the most uh, scary event. That one day we will have to stand before the judgment seat of Christ and that should be our aim and all of us, we have to be prepared because we do not know. Hebrews 9 verse 27 will say, it is appointed to man to die once and after that, after that it is the judgment. It is, it is one thing which is set and you cannot change it. So all of us have to be prepared. Hmm? And how do we prepare? Uh, we looked at uh, in... Um, Second Peter, you don't have to turn there, says, we have the much more sure word of prophecy. And when we take heed to that prophecy, we have light about ourselves, about, about the days to come, and about the kind of uh, judge we are going to face, right? It says in Romans chapter 2 that the judgment is going to be according to truth. Okay, the judgment will be without impartial, without partiality. <laughs> the judgment will be according to how much we know. Okay, the more we know, the more tougher the, ju- the judgment. Okay, so it's dangerous to know more, uh, dangerous to know 
uh, get to know more of the word of god that's the reason why jesus says uh, james says not many few many of you should seek to be teachers because we will all have a stricter judgment so all of you who are not teachers you are safe and of all of you have been called to be teachers you are <laughs> you are uh, you are on uh, scary ground which is good which is also good uh, so that you can be warned and you can be prepared so last time we were uh, looking at um, matthew chapter 24 and we were looking at um, um one of the ways that we prepare ourselves for the coming for the coming of the lord we were we were looking at the fact that we should not be deceived if you can turn there to matthew chapter 24 and look we'll look at few verses from 3 to 14 and we'll look at some attitudes that we need to have uh we need to possess in order to prepare ourselves for the coming of the lord okay now as he sat on the mount of olives the disciples came to him privately saying tell us when will these things be and what will be the sign of your coming and of the end of the age okay and jesus answered and said to them take heed that no one deceives you many will come in my name saying that i am the christ and will deceive many you will hear of wars and rumors of war see that you are not troubled for all these things must come to pass but the end is not yet for nation will rise against nation kingdom against kingdom there will be famines pestilences and earthquakes in various places all these are the beginning of sorrows then they will deliver you up into to tribulation and kill you and you will be hated by all nations for my name's sake and then uh was then was then uh was then and then many will be offended will betray one another and will hate one another and was 11 to 12 uh then many false prophets will arise up and deceive many and because lawlessness will abound the love of many will grow cold but he who endures till the end will be saved and verse 14 final verse for the uh maybe before he says makes an emphatic statement he says and all these and this gospel of the kingdom will be preached in all the world as a witness to all the nations and then what will come the end will come so he look we, we can look at uh, at least eight attitudes over here um as to the kind of spiritual attitudes that we need to practice or inculcate uh, to ensure that we are ready for the coming of the lord what are those eight, eight attitudes first attitude let no one deceive you okay the first is the first attitude okay because many will come saying that i am the christ second attitude says let don't be troubled when you hear wars and rumors of wars know that this is the beginning of birth pangs when it is the beginning of birth pangs who's coming the baby is coming okay so if you want the baby to come you can hasten the baby or you can delay the baby all right and third one it says get ready for tribulation and martyrdom and hatred for his name say it says the time will come when people will kill you and they say and they will say that they're doing god a favor okay then fourth attitude he says take care of offense okay don't be offended why because of all this many will start offending uh, get, will, will be getting offended and which will cause two things to happen first there will be betrayal and then there will be hatred so get ready okay so one thing that you have to guard your heart against is offense blessed is the one who is not offended because of me and again verse five, another fifth attitude is deception because of all kinds of false doctrines will be there okay sixth attitude don't let your love grow cold 
because lawlessness will abound and the love of many will grow cold. And then second, seventh attitude, he says, have, this is perseverance till the end. Okay. Um, I was, uh, you know, IAS, right, is the, uh, the civil services exam in India is the second toughest exam in the whole world. Second toughest. Okay, I don't know what the first is. <laughs> second toughest, and it is not uh, IIT or IIM or any other exam. Entrance, even getting into MIT is better, is more easier than getting into the civil services. Second toughest services. And you know, there is a place in Delhi called Rajendranagar. Okay. Rajendranagar is famous for um, uh, coaching centers, exactly. Okay. The coaching center, all the guys who come for coaching centers uh, will come in for, who want to do IS coaching end up in Rajendranagar. And uh, one of the first lectures, you know, generally what they say is, there are 12 lakh people who will be appearing for the exam. Okay. Generally, every year, 12 lakh people will be appearing for the IAS entrance exam. Out of which 15,000 people will cross the prelims. Okay. Out of the 15,000 people, 3,000 people will be will pass the main exam. Out of the 3,000 people who will be called for interview, 1,000 people will be shortlisted into different services. Out of the thousand people, the top two attires is the IAS exam and it's the IAS cadre and the IPS cadre. The rest all different other cadres. So you can see, so if you have a class of let's say 100 people in whom the coaching center guy is teaching, the chances of all not making is 100%. I, I, this is talking about the toughest exam, second toughest exam. This is Indian administrative services. Okay, there was another Indian BAS which is called Babylon Administrative Services, which is which was uh, Daniel and all these people fellows are a part of that. Okay, now we are not in the Indian Administrative Services or the Babylonian Administrative Services. For ultimate, there is one services which is called the Royal Administrative Services of the Kingdom of God, out of which, if the number, if you have to take the number literally, only 144,000 will be there. I mean, I mean that is. <laughs> think about the odds. So, 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 we don't take these things lightly. Okay. This is serious business. Okay. Every, every guy who comes into the coaching, he has the, I mean, very few are pushed by their parents and uh, those fellows, one ticket, attempt, two attempt, they'll just say, oh, Baba, this is not my cup of tea. And they will go, there are people who go even till the five final attempt. And final attempt, they will change the subject also. Okay, because they are not able to score marks. Okay, Indian administrative services is one of the toughest exams to get through. This and, uh, so in the coaching center, you know what they are saying? If you are a tortoise, you will get through. Who will never give up. Because so many people enter, it's like a funnel, okay? You know, just imagine a funnel. So thousands of people enter into the entrance exam. How many drops come out? Very few. It's like a sieve and a few people come through, come through to the other side. Therefore, he who endures till the end will be saved. And, and in Revelation says, this is, in this, the patience and the endurance of the saints is tested. It says, all are saints. Of course, they're all saints. But will all be a part of the royal administrative services is something which <laughs> is only debatable. I mean, we, we ourselves have to really gauge. Therefore, Therefore, it's so important. What is God's wish? He says, just as I overcame 
and I sat on my father's throne, I also want you to overcome. To whom is he saying? To the most compromised and the most worst church. I mean, if you if you if you like, it's like this, no? In the in the in the class, if the the guy gets just pass mark, thirty five out of hundred, not even pass. Okay, he's just border. He's, he's about to be spewed out of the mouth. Okay, that is a border borderline case. If that guy, he says, I mean, anybody in a, in in a class, I mean, if you are a teacher, especially in a class, you will teach once to the student, madam, not able to understand, or sir, I'm not able to. Understand. Twice you will try, sir, I'm not able to understand. Thrice you will try, sir, I'm not able to understand. After that, you will say, Baba, I have a class to teach. Please go. But if I am a father. You're not able to understand. I'm going to make you understand. Okay. There's a, there's a difference between a teacher and a father. What am I going to do with my students? I'm going to, I mean, not only my student, my, my daughter especially, daughters. Okay. I, I'm going to make her sit with her, do whatever it takes so that one day at least she will know. You know she'll get it and she'll start enjoying it till that time. And her success will make me happy. You see, and God is a father, so He comes to the person, I mean, the, the church which is the least fail, almost be about to be spewed out of the mud. He says, "If you overcome," and He says, "As many as I love, I chasten; therefore, be zealous and repent, and be a part of my royal administrative services." Kya baat hai? So, so, so everybody has hope. So, when you don't ever think, you know, it is for it is for the intelligent and it is for the gifted and it is for the talented. No, 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 no. The kingdom of God is not for the intelligent. It is for the diligent. It is not for the hair. It is for the tortoise. When you look at the tortoise, 135 years tortoise is there in Nehru Zoological Park. <laughs> Only one thing is increasing every year. It's age. <laughs> Nothing else. That fellow is bare. <laughs> right there. Not even more an inch. Baba, what a tortoise. It's still there. It's still there. 135 years or now it's, if it's another 40 years, if it has, it has survived, 175 years tortoise is there in Nehru Zoological Park. First thing you will, one of the first exhibits, not if you want to call it exhibits, is the tortoise. So, and he says, the tortoise, the tortoise win the race. Okay. These are not just ordinary, th- uh, ordinary lessons that we learn in life. This is true in Christian life. That is the reason why it says, many who are first will become last. And many who are last will become first. How many of you think that you are last in the class today? Then you have hope. <laughs> Hallelujah. <laughs> you have hope, my dear brothers. If you really, really think that you are last in the class, I think, uh, if I am the last in the class, I have hope. Okay. So you, that is how you need to judge yourself. So how therefore, what are the kind of attitudes that we need to inculcate in our lives so that, so that we become a part of the royal administrative services. You see, you don't have to pass through a, a civil service exam. Just go through the coaching once. You will understand what the pain is. <laughs> it's remarkable, okay? It's one of the best uh, coachings to go through just to just to end up, uh, see the uh, the entire process. And they say the coaching itself, the process of training itself is under pressure because you have to go through the training because pressure will be a part of your life. It doesn't end with your passing the exam. Okay, you will enter into services and pressure will be a part of your life. That is the reason why we have a famous saying, no, uneasy lies the head that wears the crown. 
uneasy lies the head that wears the crown. So, it's not easy. So, therefore, he says, develop attitudes. Okay. And God is there. The Spirit of the Lord is there. And the Word of God is there. And he wants every one of his children to succeed. Will all succeed? It depends. You see? That's that's the question, no? Will all succeed? Well, it is not case, Sarah, Sarah. <laughs> there are definite attitudes that we need to inculcate. First thing he says, therefore, do not be led astray. Do not be deceived. First thing he says, do not be deceived. Why? Many will come and say that I am the Christ. See, one of the things that we don't, how we don't get deceived, or one of the ways that we don't get deceived. If you turn with me to Second uh, Corinthians chapter eleven, verse two onwards, if you can put it in, in KJV, maybe, yeah, it's simpler. For I am jealous for you with godly jealousy, for I have betrothed you to one husband, that I may present you as a chaste virgin to Christ. Okay, but I fear. Why? Lest somehow as a serpent, what? Deceived Eve by what? By his craftiness. Okay. Uh, the serpent knew exactly what kind of an animal form to take. Okay. Before the fall. It was called the Nahash. The shining one. <laughs> angel, the, that's the reason why it says Satan himself will transform himself as the angel of light. He doesn't come to you as a lion, like a lion. You'll get scared, obviously, you know. You'll run away from a lion. How many of you get attracted towards a lion? No. As an angel of a light, oh, for sure. He says, but fear, but I fear, lest somehow as serpent deceived he, Eve by his craftiness, other translations use, will use the word subtlety. I think KJV, okay? So your minds may not be corrupted from the simplicity that is in Christ. Okay, there's simplicity in Christ. What is simplicity? There's, there's only attitudes that we need to do, that we need to take care of. Uh, see, we, we need to be more concerned about, excuse me, we need to be more concerned about, uh, about character and not about charisma. Okay, let's move on. And verse 4. For if he who preaches another Jesus, look, look at that, you see that? Another Jesus whom we have not preached. If you receive a different spirit which you, we have not received. And then third, if you have a different gospel which you have not, not accepted, you may put up with it. So how do we guard ourselves? We need, we need to know three persons. Okay. We need to know the person of Jesus Christ. Okay. And we need to know the spirit of Jesus Christ. What did I say? The person of Christ, the spirit of Christ, and the inspired word of Jesus Christ. Three things we need to know. The gospel, of course, which is the inspired word. Three things in order for us not to be deceived. We need to know the person, we need to know the spirit, and we need to know the inspired word of the spirit. So to understand, therefore, Christ, we need to have the spirit of Christ. If you turn with me to First Peter chapter 1, verse 10. First Peter chapter 1, verse 10. This is what it will say. 10 and 11. Of this salvation, the prophets have inquired and searched carefully who prophesied of the grace that would come to you. Verse 11, searching what or what manner of time the, the spirit of Christ, and what does the spirit of Christ talk about? Who was in them was indicating when he testified beforehand the sufferings of Christ. There's the sufferings of Christ and then there's a glory which should follow. Now let me give you an example. Okay. Generally, 
if you look at any entrance exam, I'm just giving you an example of an entrance exam. We don't look for the guys who are top mega pants, no? Those are a different class altogether. We look at the guys who are not very smart and not very intelligent. You know, I used to have a friend, his name is Vish, Vishwamit, Jitamitra Desai. Jitamitra Desai, very, Jitamitra, he's now a professor in uh, I am Bangalore. Okay, first attempt he didn't get through. J. Okay. Not very sharp guy, not a very sharp guy. But you know something, one thing I looked at him, he used to work and work and work and work and work. Hours and hours and hours and hours of study. Okay. Not waste time at all. I'm, 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 you, you have to look at all these people who, that is the reason why he says, look at the guy who is an athlete. And he's working for a what kind of a crown? A perishable crown. And he used to work and work and work. Not, not a smart guy. I know, I know him personally, okay. Not a very smart guy. Not a very intelligent guy. But one thing he used to do, you know, morning till evening, you make him sit for 18 hours, he will study and study and study and study and study. What is, what, what do we call as incredible concentration? And the ability to take infinite pain. That is suffering. And after you suffer, what do you have? Glory. And what should you do in order to suffer? You have to deny a lot of things that you enjoy. Alright? Right? Deny. You have to deny a lot of things. And one of the things that you deny when you're studying is sleep. <laughs> what do you deny? <laughs> sleep. Okay? Uh, Abigail's question is, Mary slept 63 hours in a week. Okay. What is the number of hours that she slept in a day? She has to do a calculation, okay? 63 by 7. How much is that answer? 9. 9 hours of sleep in a day. Okay? And do you want to get through? Ah, yes. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Not going to happen. Okay. That, those are the questions I, I was, uh, when she was solving the question, I said, who is this Mary Baba? <laughs> Mary, Mary is sleeping for 63 hours a week. Okay. People work 63 hours a week. Not sleep 63 hours a week. <laughs> At least. Okay. So think about this. On an average, how many hours she slept in a day? And she said 9 hours. I said, Abigail, you're going to sleep for 9 hours a day? Shame on you. 9 hours a day. I should, I need nine hours. Otherwise my mind is not going to be fresh. Really? You don't need, you need concentrated sleep for four and a half hours. That's enough more than sufficient. Okay. Four and a half hours of concentrated sleep and more than sufficient. One of the things that you have to deny. You see, these are the sufferings of Christ. When we say sufferings of Christ, somebody beating us up. That is all later, Baba. It says morning, but look, turn with me to Psalm, uh, Isaiah chapter 50, please. If you turn with me there to Isaiah chapter 15. And verse 4, if I'm right. Yeah. The Lord has given me the tongue of the learned, that I should know how to speak a word in season to him who is weary. He awakens me morning by morning. He awakens my ear to hear as the learned. He awakens me. That means he gives him one tap on my shoulder and that's it. I'm up. And then the Lord has opened my ear and I was not rebellious nor did I turn away. That is the first suffering. What is the suffering? Get up morning by morning. That means your sleep is under the control of the Holy Spirit. Is possible? <laughs> and then it says nine, sixth verse, I gave my back to those who small. That is later. 
So when we think that suffering, we only think that people are going to beat us up and uh, we are going to be persecuted and all that comes later. But the first suffering is to deny ourselves what? Sleep. Deny ourselves what? Mm. Okay, food. <laughs> Fasting. Okay. The sufferings of Christ and the subsequent glories. Look at what it says in Luke's Gospel chapter 24, verse 25 to 27. Hmm? Look at what it says. Then he said to them, Oh foolish ones and slow of heart to believe in all that the prophets have spoken. You know, one of the things if you walk with Jesus, he will give you nicely. He say, you foolish fellows. He'll use those kinds of words. You'll say, how, how, how are you speaking those things into my life? I mean, a lot of people say, no, he's speaking those things into my life. No, no, no. He says, Satan, <laughs> get thee behind me. Oh, don't speak those things into my life. He will speak like that because he loves you. And he says, ought not to have Christ suffered, verse 26, and then enter into his glory. And beginning from Moses and all the prophets, he expounded to them in all the scriptures, the things concerning himself. You see, that is the reason why you need to have the spirit of Christ. The spirit of Christ is what? The spirit which is willing to suffer. Which is willing to suffer. Okay, then you need to know that so Christ and the Spirit of Christ. Then you will understand Him. You will understand what He actually means. What He is actually saying. Why do people get deceived? Why do people get deceived? Simply because of two things. Matthew chapter 22 verse 29. Matthew chapter 22 verse 29. Look at what it says. Jesus answered and said to them, You are, uh, can you put it in the KJV please if you don't mind? Yeah, the word is mistaken, but actually the word is you are deceived hmm? or error. Jesus answered and said to them, you do err or you are deceived. Why? Because you do not know two things. You do not know the scriptures and you do not know the power of God. Lot of people know the scriptures, but they don't have the power of God. That's like, you know, Apollos. Mighty in the scriptures. Only knows about the baptism of John. <laughs> That's all he knows. And then like Akila and Priscilla have to come and teach the uh, way of Christ and the baptism of Christ essentially. And then he understands the scriptures even more better. So you need to know the scriptures and you need to know the truth. Second thing, you need to know the spirit which inspired the scriptures. That is the power of God. That is the reason why he says, wait until you receive the what? The power. And then you will be my witnesses, not only in Judea, but in Samaria and the utmost parts of the world. Okay, so you need to know two things. You need to know the scriptures and you need to know the power of God. The scriptures have to be the preeminent in your life. If you turn with me again to John's gospel chapter 5 verse 38 to 40. John's gospel chapter 5 verse 38 to 40. But you do not have his word abiding you, abiding in you. You see that everybody? You do not have his word abiding in you because whom he, uh, because whom he sent him you do not believe. Okay, so word and the, the the person connecting connected with the word you search the scriptures for in them in them you think that you have eternal life and these are they which testify about me but you are not willing to come to me that you may have life but you are not willing to come to me so why are we deceived we, because we do not know the scriptures and we do not know the power of god okay so one of the things how do i know therefore that i know god you know what? God speaks to you personally through the scriptures. Let me show this to you. Turn with me to John's Gospel chapter 4. Verse 39 first. Okay, 39. 
And many of the Samaritans of that city believed in him because of the word of the woman who testified. He told me all that I ever did. He says, you do not have the word abiding in you. But if you want the word to abide in you, you have to make the word comfortable in your home. Right? Look at what it says in the next verse. Verse 38 and 39. Sorry, 30 or 40 and 40. So when the Samaritans had come to him, they urged him to stay with him. What did they say? Please abide with us. Whom did they ask? Jesus, okay. And he stayed there for how many days? For two days. And many more believed because of his own word. And look, look at the next verse. I love this. Next verse, verse 42. And they said to the woman, now we believe, not because of what you said, for we ourselves have heard him and we know that this is indeed the Christ, the savior of the world. So what happens in the next stage? First, pastor speaks to you. Or you hear somebody else speaking through you to a message. Or uh, so many other methodologies of uh, of understanding the word. Second, finally, you hear God himself speaking to you directly from the scriptures. It, ha- it will happen. And it has to happen. Only then you know that you are the child of God. Understand? Only then, God will speak to you. One of the things that you need to believe is that when I read the word of God, God, you are going to speak to me. And until you speak to me, what am I going to do? I am going to constrain you. That's exactly what happened, right? In Luke's Gospel, chapter 24, if you turn with me there, there again, uh, verse 28 onwards, uh, verse 28 onwards, what happened? Then they drew near the village where they were going and he indicated that he would have gone farther. He said, okay, fine, I'm going, tata, bye. But they constrained him, saying, abide with us. You know, see, first initially he just wetted, wet their appetite a little bit. And you know, then what he said, what they said, boy, this is interesting, please stay with us. Stay with us. I, I, you know, I like this entire um, stretch towards I'm, uh, the on the road to Emmaus. is one of my favorite scenes of the resurrection. Okay, they constrained him. They said, "Please come, okay. abide with us." Uh, I remember we have our, our landlord. Um, my madam is a maths teacher. Okay, my landlord's wife is a maths teacher. Um, the maid, uh, she said, "My son, no, he please come and teach teach her." So you know what happens when they come, when people come to, uh, come to their home for tuition, all the students have to be dragged by their parents, okay, to tuition. You should see their, their avastha when they come to tuition. <laughs> oh, they're like, they're going, uh, they're going crazy and the parents, because of the force of the parents, they, they come to tuition. But this boy is a son of the maid. And she was telling me, Vijay, you need to know this guy. This guy is so interested in the, in the subject. And I just love this guy. You know what? He's willing to learn. I want to, he's, he's, he's willing to stay there, stay under my feet and learn and learn and learn and learn and learn. But all these fellows, <laughs> they are just waiting when the time is over. They just want to go home. You know, there are so many people like that. And what, what, what does Jesus say? Jesus says, okay, I'm, I'm going. Bye bye. And you know what they said? Please teach us. Stay with us. Stay with us. Teach us more. Teach us more. Abide with us. Look at this. Abide. You don't have the word abiding in you. That's what he says, right? Abide with us for it is toward evening and the day is far spent. So he went in to stay with them. And look at what happens next verse. Verse 20, 30. Now it came to pass as he sat at the table with them. Then he took bread, blessed and broke it. And he gave it to them. And their eyes were open. And they vanished. And he vanished. You see, do we constrain the word? Does the word of God find an abiding place in our heart is a question. Acts chapter 16 verse 14 onwards. Acts chapter 16 verse 14 onwards. Look at what it says. 
Now a certain woman named Lydia heard us. She was a seller of purple from the city of Thyatira who worshipped God. And what happened? The Lord had opened her heart to heed the things spoken by Paul. Okay, so unless the Lord opens, see that's what I'm saying, you know, you can, you can do talak, talakindula tapasya, tapasya, no, you can do a lot of penance, but unless the Lord opens, you will not understand. Okay, that is one, one of the things about, but God sees whether you are really interested or not. So you keep on, you know, knocking at his door over and over and over again. Lord, speak to me, speak to me. The Lord opened her heart to heed the things spoken by Paul. And then what happened? Next verse. And when she and her household were baptized, what did she do? She Begged us saying, if you have judged me to be faithful to the Lord, come to my house and stay. So she persuaded us. I mean, you know, like this is like the Shunammite woman who will take no, she will not take a no for an answer. Okay. So, so she persuaded us. And then what happened? Verse, verse 16. Now it happened as we, as we went into prayer that was, there was a certain slave girl, etc. So what she did, what did she do? She said, Paul, please come to, come to my home and teach me. Okay. Persuaded us, persuaded us and constrained us. Alright. This is how we grow in the knowledge of God. This is how we grow in the word of God. This is how we understand the scriptures. It is through searching. Through searching. Through searching and searching. Therefore, what is the, what are, what are the things that we need to understand? It is when, whenever God opens the scriptures, two things we clearly understand. It is impossible for us to know God without suffering. It is impossible. If you look at the entire Bible, most of the letters were written by Paul when he was in prison. Okay. If you look at Revelation, the most ultimate book, the final book of the Bible, where the future of the world is being shown, how was it written? The guy was going through intense persecution. He went through intense persecution. He was persecuted. He was isolated. He had nobody completely isolated. At that point, God spoke to him. And therefore, it is impossible for us to understand the word of God unless and until we have the spirit. A spirit which is willing to suffer. Okay? If you turn with me to First Peter chapter 4, verse 1 and 2. First Peter chapter 4, verses 1 and 2. Therefore, since Christ suffered for us in the flesh, what should you do? Arm yourselves with the same mind for he who has suffered in the flesh has also ceased from sin. This is the attitude. The spirit of suffering, the spirit of Christ is to, is a spirit of suffering. If you turn with me to Romans chapter 8 verse 9, this is very, very powerful. If you can turn with me in the NIV, please, it's very interesting. Romans chapter 8 verse 9 in the NIV, okay? You, however, are controlled not by the sinful nature, but by the spirit. If the spirit of God lives in you, and if anyone does not have the spirit of Christ, he does not, what? Belong to Christ. He doesn't belong to Christ. Okay. NLT? If you can put it in NLT, it's even more, even more intense, the last part, NLT. Okay. And remember that those who do not have the spirit of Christ living in them are not Christians at all. <laughs> They're not Christians at all. Understand this. So this is important. So we need to have, how do we get deceived? How do we get deceived? Unless and until we don't have the spirit of Christ, one day we have to suffer. What, and this is a life of suffering. And how do we suffer? How do, how are we broken? I'll tell you. Whenever somebody does wrong to us and whenever we have to respond positively, in other words, when we don't reply or, uh, give back evil for evil, but reply good for evil, then we suffer. We have to. It's one of the most difficult things to do is to forgive somebody else. 
when you are right and they are wrong. Okay. Now think about this. If Jesus wouldn't have said, Father, forgive them, would we have received forgiveness? No. Think about another, another case scenario. Saul was in charge of Stephen's death. And what did Stephen say? Lord, forgive them. In other words, let, let, let this not be against their charge. Now think about this. If, if Stephen would not have released those people who caused them to suffer from the guilt of suffering, would Saul have got converted? No. Think about that. Just think about it. 13 epistles wouldn't have been there if one word Stephen wouldn't have said, Lord, forgive them. 13 epistles. Because of one guy who said, you know what? That is the spirit of Christ. That is the spirit of Christ. What does he say? I forgive you. That is when you are really, really broken. When are we broken? When we respond positively to those people who have done wrong to us. Even if you are Wrong, or rather correct. See, when we are wrong, <laughs> then humble ourselves. When we are correct, still humble ourselves. Both ways. Understand that, okay? So, we err because we do not know the scriptures nor the power of God. So, how do we, how do, what is the antidote to deception? Know the scriptures, have the, receive the power of God. Otherwise, you know, like, like Zach Punan says, if you do not know the scriptures, you deserve to be deceived. That's very powerful. <laughs> if you do not know the scriptures, you de- I mean, it's like this, no? If you do not know mathematics and come to the exam, you deserve to? Oh, of course, nowadays you don't have any exams, you are, uh, you are passed just like that. I was thinking about it. No exam and pass. Think about that. That is where we have come to right now. And in the kingdom of God, no promotion without test. Now we have promotions <laughs> without test. Double promotion people got for two years, of course. That's what I mean, okay? Without giving exam. Okay, so get to know God and get to know the, uh, uh, sorry, get to know the God, God through the scriptures and receive the power of the power of the Holy Spirit. So in order to get to know God, God reveals himself through to us through four relationships primarily. Four relationships, at least, okay, four. There are several ways he reveals himself. It is impossible for us to know God unless until we know him through relationship. Otherwise, we'll just know about God or we'll know some godly principles and not know God. Okay, so that will become like a Pharisee. You know, we have the outs, we know correct doctrine and we have an outwardly clean life, but no inward reality. Okay, so in order to understand and know God, God reveals us to, to us to Himself, rather Himself to us through four relationships. First relationship is a father and a son relationship. Okay, father and a son. Second, husband and a wife relationship. Third, king and a subject relationship. Fourth, shepherd and a sheep relationship. Four, at least four. If you uh, skim through the Bible, or rather you uh, glean through the Bible, you will find at least four of these. There are several other ways. First, he says father and a son relationship. Second, husband and wife relationship. Third, king and a subject, or we can call it disciple, uh, teacher relationship. And shepherd and sheep relationship. Four relationships. So first, in order to understand God, therefore we need to, if you want to know God, we need to know God as our father. Okay. Blessed are you Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but who? My father 
which is in heaven. And he says, I bless you God, the father of heaven and earth, that you have not revealed this to the intelligent, but to the babes. Okay, so he has to reveal that in order to understand God, therefore, we need to understand him and know him, get to know him as father. So it is impossible, therefore, to get to know God as father unless until we are born of the spirit. Okay, we need to become the family of God first. Okay, and then once we become his son, we understand God through the dealings that he has with us. Okay, understand? If you enter, if you read the entire book of Proverbs, 23 times one phrase is used. What is the most constant refrain? My son. <laughs> my son, my son, my son. Okay. It's like, it's, it's interesting. He says, my son, listen to your father's instruction. Who's saying that? <laughs> God is saying that. My son, listen to your father's instructions and do not forget the law of your mother. The first thing. If you want to look at it, first two commandments, first two my sons, my son, listen to the instruction of your father, do not forsake the law of your mother. Second, my son, if sinners entice you, do not consent. My son. So what, how does he, how do we know God? By having a relationship with God as a father and one of the things that, that is happening in the last days, of course we know it. Uh, we, one of the famous teachings that we had in, a, in the last few weeks is passive men destroy Homes. What a statement that is. Why? Because men are missing in their position, in, the, in their posts. People do not know God as father because they don't have a fatherly figure in their own lives. Because the the the, the person of the father is totally messed up. In even in our culture, we fear the father. Okay, we really really fear fear the father. We don't we don't love the father. On if you go abroad, they love the father. They don't fear the father. Okay, they call him, they call dad, we say, Nanagaru. Okay, when we say Nana, in, at least in Andhra, nobody addresses father as Nanaga, Nana. Nanagaru, Tatagaru, Pastor, Ayagaru. Okay, they never say Aya. Okay, so this, there is a, there is a respect. So both these things are important. You see, you need to know him as father and you also have to respect him. There's, there's two things. If you call him as father who will judge everyone without partiality, what should you, how should you live during your exile here? With fear, it says in first Peter chapter one. So first thing we have to know God as what? Father. And we get to know God as our father through his fatherly dealings with us. And one of the dealings of, of God as a, as a father, what does he do? Ah, thank you so much. Hmm? Look at what it says in Hebrews chapter 12, verse 4. Onwards. Okay, well, let us let, let us look at this say, uh, carefully. You have not resisted to bloodshed striving with sin or against sin. But you have forgotten the exhortation which speaks to you as sons. What is the exhortation? My son, do not despise the chastening. So there is a chastening, there is a reaction to chastening. Don't despise it. Don't be discouraged when you are rebuked. So there are two things. He chastises us and he rebukes us. When he chastises us, don't despise it. When he rebukes us, don't get discouraged. What, what, that's exactly what happens, right? Whenever somebody rebukes us, oh, we get so discouraged. Right? Very difficult for us to take rebuke. But he says... If I do not chastise you, and if I don't rebuke you, verse 6, for whom the Lord loves, he chastens. The dealings of God as a father is through chastening. What is a discipline? What discipline means? 
people say discipline means when you go wrong, he will correct you. No, not necessarily. He will put you through hardship. That is discipline. You know, some of the rich people or people who make it, uh, they're the children of rich fathers. No, You know what they say? My father did not give me any comfort when I was growing up. That's what he says. Because he wanted me to know the value of money. He did not spoil me. You know what happens? A lot of middle class people spoil. The rich people actually don't spoil their children. You know that? They make them work hard. Naran Murthy had a, I think a couple of children. He never took any money from, or any privileges from Infosys to promote his children. Never. Wow, that's the reason why I like that guy. You know? Not like the other CEOs. After that, you have the son and the daughter. And after the son and the daughter come, the next, 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 next instance, what is happening? The entire company is going for a toss. You know why? Because there's no character. And what does God do? He did not even allow his own son. That's the reason why he says, when, though, although he was a son, he learned obedience through the things that he suffered. That's what he says in Hebrews chapter 5. Okay. Hebrews chapter 5 says, it, although he was a son, he learned obedience through the things that he suffered. So two things don't, don't do. Do not despise his chastening. Do not discourage when he rebukes. Then understand that whom the father loves, he despises. Verse 7. If you endure chastening, what should you do? Endure it. Okay. Okay. Don't respond. Oh, no, no, no. Take it slowly. Okay. Of course, initial response will be, how dare he says, how dare he calls me, etc. All those things. That is the initial response. After that, when all the emotions have subsided, think through. What did he say? Why did he not do what I expected him to do? That's what he says, no? Paul was this guy. He says, who can separate us from the love of Christ? Can tribulation, can anguish, can nakedness, can peril? Nothing. In fact, he's allowing all this in my life and I'm experiencing him as my father even more. Because whom the Lord loves, he disciplines. He takes me through that. Understand? Okay, so don't. So endure chastening. Understand when God, when you're enduring chastening, God deals with you as with sons. For what son is there whom a father does not chasten? That's the reason why it says, if you, if you, uh, spare, if you use the rod on your children, you know what you do actually? You will save their soul from what? From hell. That's what it says in Proverbs. Okay. Verse seven. God deals with you as with sons. For what son is there whom the father does not chasten? So question. Ask us, why are we going through this, Lord? What is that about you that I have to learn? Is the question that we need to ask. Then endure it. Verse 8. But if you are without chastening, of which all have become partakers, what are you? You are illegitimate. And not sons. <laughs> no, 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 no. I don't want this to happen. In other words, if God says, oh, I don't want to be interested, I'm not interested in you. Two things. Either you are Esau or you are Jacob. What does he say about Jacob? Jacob have loved. And Esau have? And God has strong feelings. He really hated Esau. And therefore, what did he do with Esau? Do whatever you want. You want to go and marry those children? Go and marry. Judith the Jewess and Basmati. Sorry, what is that? Uh, yeah, Basmat. Uh, Basmat. Two, two, two women he marries. One is Judith, the other is Basmat. Why? Because his life is full of food. His name, her name is also Basmati. So what do you want to enjoy? Go get married. 
Okay. You want uh, blessings, you take it. What do you want? All earthly blessings, take it. Okay. So if he just leaves you like that, how are you, how is God dealing with you? Like Esau. <laughs> you want to be an Esau? No, 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 no. That's what he says. Let there be no unholy or profane person like Esau. Therefore, <coughs> then verse 9. Furthermore, we have had human fathers who corrected us. Okay. Did your fathers correct you? Oh, yes. And father's correction is much, much different from uh, mother's correction. Generally, generally now, you know, home, if, uh, I remember when my father, okay, if he's listening, he's, you know, she nodded upset, but I really respect that decision of his, okay? I asked my mother, I want to go for this movie. Ask your father. Okay, go and ask your father. I mean, I thought my dad was very cool, okay? One, so I went to his office. My, ho- my home and office are very close by. So I just crossed the door, uh, crossed the road and went to his office and I said, Dad, I want to go for a movie. He looked at me and said, next time you come to my office like this, I'm going to get a spanking of your life. That's it. After that, finished over. I know why my mother asked me <laughs> to go and ask my father. You see, you see, fathers, fathers, they correct us. And what do we do? We pay what? Respect. I'll tell you honestly, it is because of the spankings of my parents, I'm, I'm what I am today. Honestly, without a doubt. <laughs> I know myself and my mother knows me very well because I had, when I got MSET exam, when I, when I, when I passed the entrance exam, I had several options. Okay. No options or options to choose. I said, I'll, uh, I want to go to Vizag. She looked at me, sir. You want to go to Vizag? No, no way you're going to Vizag. I know what you'll do in Vizag. People who are from Vizag, you know what it is. I know what you'll do in Vizag. You stay here for four years, even in B-Tech undergrad. Becoming an engineer, I had to stay. And then after I got another promotion, she, they let me go. Till then, till then, you see, they corrected us. And what do we do? We respect them. Do we respect God for all the chastenings that he has allowed into our lives? No. The Almighty has done what? Hmm. Very, 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 she has, she has dealt very, I don't know what the words she uses. I went in full, I came back empty. Who asked you to go? Okay. Respect. Shall we not much more ready be in subjection to the word? I like the word. What is this? Subjection. Lot of people don't like this word, especially in Christendom. They want to be their own boss. Subjection to the father of our spirits and live. See that? Understand this, therefore. So God is dealing with us as sons. If you want to know God, get to know the fatherly dealings of God. And it is not easy. His own son, He did not spare. He allowed him to go through the first. And when we compare our uh, sufferings with the sufferings of the son, they are like ant bites. That's what Zakpunan says. Every suffering that you go through is like an ant bite when compared to the, compared to the cross. Oh, people don't understand me. What is it? And by it. <laughs> my wife doesn't understand me. <laughs> and by it. My children don't obey me. <laughs> and by it. My boss is a tough guy. What is it? Ant bite. Just like ant. He says, it's not a mosquito bite, it's ant bite, he says. Mosquitoes, you get a disease, but ant, you don't get a disease, right? It's just like an ant bite. It's just like an ant. When compared to what he has gone through, whatever we go through (laughs) is an ant bite. So when we go through, we don't complain, right? So we pay respect. Shall we not much more readily be in subjection to the father of our spirits and limbs? Verse 10, let's read. For indeed, for a few days, they chastened us, as seemed best to them. But he for 
our prophet that we may be partakers of his holiness so a lot of lot of parents right they want to vicariously live their dreams through the children that is that, there's only one vicar that is jesus no other vicar there's a company called a robotics company called vicarious that's the name of the company is vicarious what are they doing all the engineers are living their lives through the robot that's what i mean that's what it means what they cannot do with their children, they do with the robot. <laughs> robots. <laughs> you see, that's the, that's the name of the company. If you can actually type it on Google, Vicarious. It's in California. All the mad fellows are there. Okay, so that that is what it says. What are, what are they doing? All our fathers, they corrected us for what seemed good for them, but he for our profit, that we may be made partakers of his holiness. It is not our holiness, his holiness. And then he says, now no chastening seems to be joyful. For the present. But what? Painful. But what that pain is compared to? You know what it says? It's a light and momentary affliction. And bite. <laughs> when compared to eternity. Nevertheless, after it yields the peaceable fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained by it. That is how we know God as Father. That is how we know God. It is through the dealings of God as sons we know God. Therefore, my son... Do not despise the chastening of the Lord. So how do we respond to the chastening of the Lord? Turn with me to Revelation chapter 3. Verse 19. Revelation chapter 3 verse 19. Just 19. Okay. As many as I love, I rebuke and chasten. Therefore, what should you do? Be zealous and repent. That's all you need. Be zealous and repent. Two attitudes. Get back your zeal and repent. Turn. And change your ways. And then you will get to know God even more. It is through sufferings that you know God. It is through the dealings of God as a son. As a father to his son that you know God. Second Samuel chapter 24 verse 14. Okay. Second Samuel chapter 24 verse 14. Look at what it says. And David said to God, I am in great distress Please let us fall into the hand of the Lord for his mercies are great. But do not let me fall into the hand of my enemies. You see, we need to know God as our father and we know God as our father only through the chastenings that he allows us into our, in our lives. Okay. You know that verse? 119, 67, 119, 71. Those are the two verses which I'll never forget in my life. 119, 67, 119, 71. Look at those two verses and we'll go to the next one. Before I was afflicted, <laughs> I went astray. What is astray? I was deceived. That is what er- error means, to go astray. To what is deceived? Decept- deception means to, that you go astray. Why are you getting deceived? Why are you going astray? Be- because you do not know the scriptures, nor the power of God. And you, you need to get-, get to know the God of the scriptures and God deals with you as what? As with sons. Before I was afflicted, I went astray. But now, I keep your word. In verse 71, it is good for me that I have been afflicted. That I may learn your statutes. Okay, the word for learn is again the same as the word for disciple. Alright? So first dealing, how do we get to know God? We get to know God through a relationship of a father and a son. So how many of us are being dealt by with God? Dealt with by God? Even now. I know I am. And I was fighting it for almost a year. Close to. Certain things in my life, I'm, I was angry <laughs> and frustrated and still fighting. In some certain areas, not all. And God is dealing it, sir. Yield, yield, yield. Unless you yield and respond positively, you will not enjoy my 
anointing and my glory. Okay. So what should you, what should you do? Be zealous and repent. If you turn with me to Hebrews again, chapter 12. Hebrews chapter 12. One dangerous attitude we should not supposed to have. Okay. Verse 15. 12, uh, 12, 15, yeah. yeah. Looking carefully, lest any one of you fall short of the grace of God. Lest any root of bitterness springing up cause trouble. What happens to a lot of people? They get bitter when they go through, through suffering. Yeah. They get upset on with everybody. It doesn't break them. Yeah. They don't respond positively. They don't respond with compassion. They don't respond with love. And by this, you become what? Defiant. Any root, let there be no bitterness. You see, it's like this, no? Somebody said, no, bitterness is the poison that you're drinking and you're expecting your enemy to die. What a tremendous thing. What are you doing? I'm drinking the poison, let him die. I'm drinking poison, let him die. It's not going to happen. You're going to die. So what should you do? If your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he's thirsty, give him a drink. And by this, what will you do? You will pour hot coals or <laughs> fire on him. I, I like that. In other words, you kill him with kindness. Is it possible? It's possible. That's exactly what Jesus did. He killed all his enemies with kindness. How did he do that? Made him all his friends. Awesome, right? And that's exactly what happens if you turn with me to Zechariah chapter 13. I love that. We looked at it in, some, in one of the teachings. If you turn to uh, Zechariah chapter 13, okay? Where he says, they look unto him whom he has, they have pierced. Let us see. Let us see. Okay. 13. Is it there? They look unto him whom they have pierced. 13. Zechariah chapter 13. And verse, uh, I'll tell you the exact verse. Zechariah 13 and verse 6. And anyone will say to him, what are those wounds between your arms? Who wounded him? All the Jews wounded him, no? Then he will answer, those with which I was wounded in the house of my friends. They were my friends. So what did he do to all those people who were, who wounded them? He made them his friends. The best way to defeat your enemy is to make him your friends. After that, look at the strength that you will have. Those who are against you are now for you. Those, that's exactly what happened to Paul. The guy who was persecuting us, now what is he, what is he doing? He's preaching the gospel. <laughs> Powerful. He's preaching the gospel. Amen. So let God deal with us as friends and let no bitterness in our hearts and say, Lord, help me to deal with any bitterness, Lord. Help me to love everybody the way that you loved your not your, your worst disciple. And you called him his what? Friend. Friend. Do you betray the son of man with a kiss? Friend. I think that word, word should have actually killed him actually. But on the contrary, what did he do? He went and betrayed him. And he hung himself. So, first, God deals with us as with sons. So that we know him as our father. That's exactly what he told his disciples to pray. Our father 
who art in heaven. So what do we need to, we need, he says, Lord, if you being evil, give good gifts to your children, how much more the father will give the Holy Spirit to only those people who ask, Lord, give me, fill me with your Holy Spirit. What happens when I, when I'm filled with your Holy Spirit, I understand that you're my father because we have received the spirit, not of uh, bondage, but of adoption by which we cry out, Abba, Father. It is through the Spirit we get to know Him. Fill me. Let me know the Scriptures. Let me know the power of God. How do we get the power of God? By knowing, this, uh, by receiving His Holy Spirit and knowing the heart of God, the Father heart of God. Second, husband and a wife. Let's turn, turn with me to Jeremiah chapter 2, please. Jeremiah chapter 2. Okay, verse 1 onwards. Look at what it says. Moreover, the word of the Lord came to me saying, Go and cry in the hearing of Jerusalem, saying, Thus says the Lord, I remember you, the kindness of your youth, the love of your betrothal. When you went after me in the wilderness, in a land that was not sown. What happened? You went through all kinds of trouble for me. For 40 years in the wilderness, you didn't even complain. Not even once. I mean, he's not talking about the 600,000 people who murmured and grumbled. He's talking about the next generation who never murmured and never grumbled. And including the two other uh, overcomers. Who, who are the people? You, have, you know, uh, uh, Joshua and Caleb, right? So, Israel was holiness. Verse 3. Israel was holiness. Verse 3. Israel was holiness to the Lord. The first fruits of his increase. All that devour him will offend. Disaster will come upon them, says the Lord. So, what is he saying? Hear the word of the Lord, O house of Jacob, and all the families of the house of Israel. What iniquity... It says in verse, verse 5, what injustice, that's enough, verse, verse 5, verse, what injustice have your fathers found in me that they have gone far from me, have followed idols and have become idolaters? He says, first, the way you know, how do I know God? I know him through the intimate relationship as a, as a wife has with her husband. Intimacy. That is the reason why you read the word of God in two ways. We read with intensity and we read with intimacy. These two ways are important. Okay. It is, we get to know the heart of God. So how, how does God deal with us as a, as a wife? This is what he does to us. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 25. We know these verses very well. The dealings of God to a wife as a husband. Okay. Husbands love your wives just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for her. Now, of course, he's not just talking about the merely a husband and wife relationship. He's talking about the relationship of Christ and his church. That he might what? Sanctify her and cleanser with the washing of water by the word. You know, how does God deal with us? He sanctifies us and cleanses us by the washing of water by the word. So that, you know what? We can become more and more separate from the world and get more and more devoted to him. It is through the devotion that we have with Christ, we get to know God. It is through devotion. Okay, those who know God or other fathers seeking for those worshippers who worship God in spirit and in truth. You know, know those verses very well. So what, what does he do? He takes us and he makes us devoted people to our, to our husband. We are devoted. When I was in North India, you know, uh, we had a, a missionary uh, couple from FMPB, French Missionary Prayer, Prayer Band, okay. Uh, you know, the pastor and his wife, they used to walk together in the village. The pastor and his wife, they used to walk together. Whenever they have to go to the market, they used to walk together. And all the other people, all the other couples, the husband would go ahead and always the wife would follow. 
If you go to North India, you'll especially see this. No, the, hus- the wife would have covered her uh, head and the husband is always leading the wife. That's generally ha- what happens in our Indian system. Okay, Because pati means savior. Okay, Pati means savior. Son also means savior. Okay? Putra means savior. Punna means he is the one who is going to redeem me from hell. That's what Putra means. And Pati also means savior. Okay, So what, what happens? So the, she... The husband leads and the wife follows. The husband leads and the wife follows. And you'll see that they are so devoted, at least outwardly. They may, of course, get really, really upset. And they are scared of their husbands, especially in North India. They are scared. I remember uh, Justin. Justin used to have a friend uh, in North India. Mm, She was invited to her uh, friend's place uh, for lunch. And uh, the wife cooked the food. And the entire family was gathered there to eat the food. And the husband saw one strand of the wife's hair in the food. One strand. You know what he did? He took the plate and he threw it like that. That is how they are scared. But our savior is not like that. He dies for us. Here, they kill their wives. Our our, our, <laughs> our savior dies for his wife. There's a, there's a total, complete difference between the two. So what is he doing? So he says, I want you to be devoted to me. You know how, how he, therefore he does, uh, deals with us? He deals with us with what we call as jealousy. He will not tolerate any other affections in our lives other than our total affection towards him. Okay. In one relationship, what is allowed is the, hus- the relationship between jealous, husband and wife, jealousy is allowed. That's the reason why it says jealousy is like a husband's fury. Turn with me. Proverbs chapter 7. Proverbs chapter 7, please. Are you there? Okay. Uh, Actually, Proverbs chapter 6, if I'm right, or... Yeah. Proverbs chapter 6, verse uh, 33, 34, yeah. 33 onwards. 33 onwards. For Jaya, 34. For jealousy is a husband's fury. Therefore, he will not spare in the day of vengeance. <laughs> jealousy. He, he is jealous for us, you see. In other words, when he sees your affections even a little bit towards somebody else, he will not tolerate. Right? Yeah. Okay. Husband is looking at somebody. Wife will say, Why? If I appreciate somebody else's cooking also, what will happen? We know what will happen. Okay. Even if it's my mom's cooking. Okay. Even if it's my mother-in-law's cooking also. <laughs> you see? Very, very, it's, 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 it's allowed in a marriage relationship. Your devotion has to be complete for me. And my devotion should be complete for you. And never in that place, jealousy is, I mean, any other uh, person is supposed to interfere. Uh, I like uh, the Ten Commandments for my children. How do you teach them? Thou shalt not commit adultery. You know how they how they wrote it. A man's uh, husband's best friend should be the wife, and wife's best friend should be the husband. Period. That is, thou shalt not commit adultery. That means there should be no other best friend in your life other than your husband. And is it possible? Especially for men, can we say that? Okay. Even for wives, can we say that? The total devotion. That is how we we know that God is, you know, jealous. He, he cannot tolerate. 
He cannot tolerate. That's the reason why he says, I, thou shalt have no other gods apart from me, for I am a God who is a jealous God, visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon the children. How does we, how do, that is how we know God is our husband. I'll show you. James chapter 4. <laughs> Let's read it. James chapter 4, verse 4 onwards. 4 onwards. Okay? 4 onwards. Adulterers and adulteresses, do you not know that what? Friendship. I told you, no? Husband's best friend should be his wife. And the wife's best friend should be husband. That's exactly the reason why he says, I no longer call you my, what? Slave servants. I call you what? My friends. We are filial. Okay. That's what I told you, no? There are three kinds of loves in the Bible. Four actually. Storge means what? The, the love of a father to a son. Eros, the love between the husband and wife, the intimate love between a husband and a wife. Filio, the love between two friends or brothers. Filio, that's the reason why he tells uh, Simon, Samuel, Jonah, do you? Filio me, yeah exactly, do you love me? Do you really have that kind of a love? You, You betrayed me and you ran away. Now do you really love me? You see? The ultimate, ultimate, the challenge for a marriage is when a husband and a wife can turn their eros into filio. That is when the marriage is successful. Okay. For children, you'll understand when you grow up. Okay. You'll understand. Ultimate challenge for, that is how God deals with it. He says, I cannot tolerate anybody else. Look at what it says. Friendship with the world is enmity with God. Whoever therefore wants to be a friend of this world makes himself Enemy of God. That's what, that's the reason why if you love the world, the love of the Father is not in you. And also, it says, or do you think that the scripture says, the spirit who dwells in you, what? Yearns jealously. You do not know the scriptures? Not the power of God. So what, ha- what happens when you, your, when your devotion is going away from God to something else, there, there's a spirit inside of you which is jealous and he says, you cannot have, you'll start rebuking. What are you doing? Why is, why is your eyes turn, turning there? Why are you, why are you so interested in something else? Immediately, you will start checking. Is he doing that to you? Do you feel the jealous of God? Jealousness of God. That's the reason why, you know, we have, I love Phineas. He was zealous for God with a godly jealousy. Okay. The zeal for my father's house consumed me. So every other devotion, in other words, every other devotion means what, what you are devoted is you, you give the maximum time to it. Okay. This man worships sports means what? Morning till evening is only worried about sports and concerned about it. He worships his work. I mean morning till evening is only concerned about his work. Okay. Okay. His work is his mistress. That's what they say, right? He loves his work more than he loves his wife. I told, I, I used to ask my boss, okay, honest question. We went, we, we used to go to chai at three o'clock in the morning in the lab. Hmm? He's also there. He is supposed to be with his wife. He's there in the lab with, with us. And I asked him, sir, one question, sir. Uh, with all this research, will there not be strain in our marriages? Vijay, you need to have an understanding wife. Understanding wife. Who will understand and let you be with the mistress. Call the job. Is it okay? God, please understand. No. 
okay okay from from morning till evening you can be with your mistress come in the night and you stay with me which wife will be okay with that tell me or which husband will be okay with that morning till evening you can fool around with your boyfriend but in the night you can just come and be my wife is it okay <laughs> i'll cook everything for you i'll give you the best meal whatever you like i'll make it and give it to you but morning till evening i'll just fool around with this fellow i'll just go for a date and come back is that okay no way and the same says i will not tolerate if you really want to be joined with your idols i'll give you a certificate of divorce and go let let go of you and what does he say about ifrah ifrah has been what joined to our idols let him go let him go okay first corinthians chapter 6 Verses 19 to 20. So actually, was uh, so not 19, 17 onwards. If you turn with me, 17. But he who is okay, 16, 16, okay, 16, 16. <clears throat> or do you not know he who is joined to a harlot is one one body with her? For the two he says shall become one flesh. But he who is joined to the Lord is what one spirit with him. One spirit. That's the reason why. What is the first law of marriage? Leave. Cleave and be joined and become one. Be joined, be cleaved. That's what it says. An unbeliever and a believer cannot be yoked together. The two cannot come together. The word for yoke is very interesting. It's the word called zygote. You cannot yoke yourself with an unbeliever means you cannot become a zygote with an unbeliever. Think about that. The words are very intense. Okay. So, God deals with us. As, <laughs> as a lover, and that is jealousy. He will not tolerate any other effect, effect, affection. So, J- James chapter 4, verse 4, verse 5. What does it say? Verse 5. <clears throat> Onwards. James chapter 4, verse 5. Or do you think the scripture says, in vain the spirit who dwells in us yearns jealously, jealously, but he gives more grace. Therefore, he says, God resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. And one of the things that he looks for his wife is one thing. Now, what he looks for his wife? A meek, gentle and a quiet spirit. It is not only for wives, it is for our his wife also. It is so easy for us to say. You know, somebody said, no, um, you, load, you don't read somebody else's letters. Do you? You have a evil habit of ha- hacking somebody else's email, then you are uh, different. You don't read somebody else's letters. Right? This is, I think Zach Poonen said this. Okay. So therefore, you also don't read the letters that God wrote to your wife. What did God write to your wife? Love your husband. Ah, submit to your husband. So you don't say, the scripture says, submit to your husband. What are you doing? You're reading the letter that God, <laughs> God wrote to your wife. <laughs> Read your letter. What is the letter that God wrote to you? Love your husbands. Love your wives. That is the letter he wrote to you. What did he write to the children? Obey your parents when you are kids and honor your parents in the Lord. That's all. That is for you. Don't say, scripture says, ah, ah, yeah, yeah. Don't exasperate. That is the letter that God told, wrote to your father and mother, not to you. If we have the evil habit of writing, reading somebody else's letters. <laughs> Seriously, no? We are people who read that we are hackers of emails. Literally. We, we talk about hacking here and there, but we, and we call it ethical hacking also. 
It is not ethical hacking. <laughs> read the letter that God wrote to you. Okay. And read, let her read the letter that God wrote to her. And let children read the letters that God wrote to them. And you know, he makes a very, he is very tough. He says, you did not honor your father and mother when you were young. You never obeyed them. And now when the scripture says, unless you hate the father and mother, you cannot be a disciple, you are ready to hate. You, without, without never loving, whether never honoring your father and mother, never obeying to their commands when they were children, suddenly now that cause of discipleship is what you should, you should hate your father and mother, suddenly you are beginning to hate. What are you doing? You are hackers. Understand this, my dear brothers. These are, these are very tough words. God resists the proud, gives grace to the humble means. What? Whatever he has written to you, submit to it and obey. And then, verse, verse 7. Verse 7, important. Therefore, submit to God, resist the devil, and he will free from you. Draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners. Purify your hearts, you double-minded. Meaning, all the other relationships that you have, with all the idols in your heart that you have, cleanse yourself from all those idols, and give your heart completely to God. Little children, flee from idolatry. Keep yourself, actually. Keep free yourself from idols. Little children, keep yourself from idols. That's the reason why he says, you cannot serve God and you cannot serve mammon. It's impossible. Nobody can serve two masters. If your hand, leg is on two boards, <laughs> you will tear. <laughs> what will happen? Your breeches will tear. Something like that, no? I forget that. Yeah? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Something will happen to it. Okay? Your breeches will tear. So, single-minded devotion to God. Unite my heart to fear your name. 8511. 86.11, sorry. 86.11. Psalm 86.11. And second, second Thessalonians chapter 3 verse 5. Okay. Teach me your way, O Lord. And I will walk in your truth. Unite my heart to fear your name. Unite my heart. Take away every other affection or, 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 or um, those inclinations which are drawing my attention away from you. From my single-minded devotion towards you. That's what he tells the first century, first church in Ephesus. He says, you forgot your first law. Remember where you have fallen from and do the first works that you did. Unite my heart to fear my name. And then your name. And then Second uh, Thessalonians chapter 3 verse 5. Now may the Lord direct your hearts into the what of God? Into the love of God and into the patience of Christ. This is how God deals with us as a husband. So, so that we can know him. Think about it, no? If, if, I'll tell you something. If your husband or a wife is not jealous for your affection, then there's something wrong with the marriage. Honestly. <laughs> you should doubt whether she, he or she really loves you. Okay. Understand that. You know, you know, in all these stories we have this guy, suddenly the guy is so busy with so many things, you know, suddenly the, one of the partners will say, let me make him, make him or her feel jealous <laughs> by giving attention to somebody. So that suddenly you will, your attention will be drawn towards me. That's how they are. It's there in every relationship. That jealousy is important. That is the re- second relationship. We know God as a father and we know God as our husband. Third, the king and a subject. Romans chapter 6, verse 15 onwards. 
Romans chapter 6, verse 15 onwards. <clears throat> what then? Shall we sin because we are not under law but under grace? Certainly not. Do you not know that to whom you present yourselves, what? Slaves to obey, you are that one's slaves whom you obey, whether of sin leading to death or of obedience leading to righteousness and verse 17. But God be thanked that though you were once slaves of sin, yet you obeyed from the heart that form of doctrine to which you were delivered and having been set from set free from sin, you became slaves of righteousness. Okay. What are we? We are either the slaves of sin or we are slaves of God and therefore slaves of righteousness. Okay. So what do slaves do? Bond servants do, they do the will of their master, period. They have no other job other than to do the will of their master. Verse, verse 19, look at what it says. I speak in human terms because of the weakness of your flesh. For just as you presented your members as slaves of uncleanness and of lawlessness, leading to more lawlessness, so now present your members as slaves of righteousness for holiness. That means what? Lord, I want to be your servant. I will do whatever you ask me to do. And I'm a, I'm not an ordinary servant. I'm a bond servant. My ear is completely belongs to you. I am your servant. Here am I, Lord. Speak to me. Available to you. First Corinthians chapter 7, verse 22 onwards. 21 onwards, actually. Verse 21 onwards, okay? Were you called while a slave? Do not be concerned about it. But if you can be made free, rather use it. For he who is called in the Lord while a slave is the Lord's freedman. Likewise, he who is called while free is, the, is Christ's slave. Verse 23. You for, verse 23, for you were brought, bought at a price. Do not become slaves of men. Rather, become slaves of God. In other words. He is my, he is the king and we are his subjects. And therefore, Whatever he asks me to do, I do it implicitly. So, am I available to him? In other words, turn with me to 1 Samuel chapter 3. Powerful verses. 1 Samuel chapter 3. And verse 1 onwards, actually. We can read from verse 1, verse 1 onwards. It says, Now the boy Samuel ministered to the Lord before Eli. And the word of the Lord was rare in those days. There was no widespread revelation. And it came to pass at that time, while Eli was lying down in his place, and when his eyes had begun to grow so dim that he could not see, and before the lamp of God went out in the tabernacle of the Lord, where the ark of God was, and while Samuel was lying down, that the Lord called Samuel, and he answered, Here I am. What does slaves say? Here I am. Next verse, verse 5. So he ran to Eli and said, here I am for you called me. And he said, I did not call you. Lie down again. And he went and lay down again. Then the Lord called yet again Samuel. So Samuel arose and went to Eli and said, Here I am for you called me. He answered, I did not call my, call my son. Lie down again. Now Samuel, look at this. Samuel did not yet know the Lord. Look at that, my dear brothers. Samuel did not yet know the Lord, nor was the word of the Lord yet revealed to him. But whom does the word of the Lord be revealed to? Look at what it says. And the Lord called Samuel again the third time. So he rose and went to Eli and he said, Here I am, 
for you, did, you for you did call me then eli perceived that the lord had called the boy and was nine therefore eli said to samuel go lie down and it shall be if he calls you say speak lord for your servant hears for your servant hears i'm your servant so we see and servants don't need a pat on their back they do it nobody thanks your servant of course, these days we have to thank our servants. Okay. And we have to give them special holidays and everything else. They also have mobile phones and they will tell us as to why they are not able to come to work, etc. All those things are happening, which never happened in those days. Okay. But our, our, you, you go to, uh, you go to villages and all, the, the zamindar and the slave, you have to see whatever the boss asks to do, this fellow does and he never says anything to him. That's his responsibility. Especially in India. That's what, that's what Jesus says, right? If he comes and he asks him to prepare food for him, will he thank him? No. And that therefore, when you have done all that you were asked to do, what should you say? We are unprofitable servants. We only did that which we were supposed to do, which was our duty to do. We are all duty bound. That is the reason why Paul is a Bond servant of Jesus Christ. Getting to know God, we have a relationship. We have a relationship as a what? King and a bond servant. Well, is that a relationship that Jesus also had? Yes, absolutely. When he came, he took upon himself the form of a man and took upon himself the form of a bond servant, it says. Bond servant. Dulos is the word. He humbled himself to that point. And it is only to bond servants God reveals. Turn with me to Revelation, please. Revelation chapter 1, in the NASB, if you will. In the NASB, Revelation chapter 1, verses 1 and 2. Revelation chapter 1, verses 1 and 2. Is it there? Yeah. The revelation of Jesus Christ, the revelation of Jesus Christ, in other words, in other words, in order to know God, unless He reveals, we will not be able to know Him. Okay? The revelation of Jesus Christ, which God gave Him to show His Bond servants, the things which must soon take place, he sent and communicated it by his angel to his bond servant, John. What is this? He is not even calling himself a disciple. I am a bond servant of John. In Telugu, it is very interesting. Ajanma Banisa. That is a very powerful word. Ajanma means all my life I am your slave. How am I a slave? Willingly, because I know that you are a fantastic master. I love you so much. Which master will first come and may take a form of a bond servant and wash our feet? And if he has washed our feet, how much, how dare we don't wash one another's feet? And what, what are we supposed to do? It says, widows who have washed the feet of the saints, it says. Abigail says, you know what he says? I want to wash the feet of my master's servants. That's what he says, Abigail. Not, not you, okay? Abigail in the Bible. <laughs> I want to wash the feet. So what, are, what am I doing if I'm a pastor? What am I doing through the word of God? Washing your feet. I'm not at a exalted high position. <laughs> okay. All my life, one thing, one of the things that I have to constantly keep doing, take the position of a servant and wash. Get the word. Work hard on the word. Do whatever it takes. And even if I get a rebuke or a, if people accept or don't accept, what am I supposed to do? Wash. And what does he say? He communicated 
it by his angel to his bond servant who testified to the word of God and to the testimony of Jesus Christ even to all that he saw. So, four ways we know, we know God. First way, the dealings of father and his son. Second, a husband to his wife. Third, king and a subject. Fourth, sheep and the shepherd. <laughs> Very difficult, huh? This is also interesting. Turn with me to John's Gospel chapter 1. John's Gospel chapter 1. And verse 1 to 5. Enough. <clears throat> In the beginning, oh, chapter 10. It's not chapter 1. Chapter 10 verses 1 to 5. Not one. Most assuredly I say to you, he who does not enter the sheepfold by the door, but climbs up some other way, the same is a thief and a robber. But he who enters by the door is a shepherd of the sheep. To him, the doorkeeper opens, and the sheep hear his voice, and he calls his own sheep by name, and he leads them out. So what do the sheep do? A follow. Follow the who? The shepherd. So how do we get to know the shepherd? By following in his footsteps. How do we get to know the shepherd? By following in his footsteps. So how do we follow our shepherd? First Peter chapter 2 verse 19 onwards. First Peter chapter 2 verse 19 onwards. <clears throat> For this is commendable. Okay, verse 18 maybe. Better. Okay. Servants be submissive to your masters with all fear. Not only to the good and gentle, but also to the harsh. For this is commendable. If because of conscience toward God, one endures grief, suffering wrongfully. Next, verse 20. For what credit is it if when you are beaten for your faults, you take it patiently? But when you do good and suffer, if you take it patiently, this is commendable before God. For to this you were called. What is that? Because Christ also suffered for us, leaving us an example that you should follow his footsteps. What is the footsteps? The path, pathway of suffering. Let's pause. Look at the entire context. Who committed no sin? Nor was deceit found in his mouth. Who, when he was reviled, did not revile in return? When he was suffered, when he suffered, he did not threaten, but committed himself to him who judges righteously. And verse 24, who himself bore our sins in his own body on the tree that we, might, we, we having died to sins, might live for righteousness by whose stripes we are healed. Verse 25, for you were like sheep going astray. We are all deceived. Going astray, I told you, right? We were all deceived, but now we have returned to the shepherd and the overseer of our souls. We were all sheep gone astray. And what does God do? Through the life of Jesus Christ, he brought us back to himself. And so we, if we are sheep, what do we do? We follow in his footsteps. So the dealings of God with his sheep. How does God do? God deal with the sheep. You want to know? Hmm. Let's turn to Ezekiel chapter 34. Very interesting. Chapter 34 verses 15 onwards. I will feed my flock. What does the shepherd do to his flock? He leads them beside the still waters and he also leads them through green pastures and he also leads them through the paths in the valley. But I will feed my flock and they will make them lie down. So how does he first get the flock? Is a question. First he has to get the flock, right? How he has to first get the flock? Turn with me to Jeremiah chapter 3 verse 14 onwards. Jeremiah chapter 3 verse 14 onwards. Return, O backsliding children, says the Lord, for I am married to you. Hmm. How about a superb continuity? From sheep, from marriage to uh, sheep. I will take you one from a city, bah, two from a family, and I will bring you to Zion. That's how he gathers his flock. One from a city, two from a family. That's exactly what we are. We are full people from different, different backgrounds. 
all over the world. Okay. And I will give you shepherds according to my heart who will feed you with knowledge and understanding. That is how he gathers his flock. First, how does he gather his flock? One from a city, two from a family. So the sheep who are next to you, you may not like them. Okay. Okay. But they are your brothers. Whether you like it or not. So in families also, no? Some, if you have a huge family, okay? One brother you will not like for sure. But he's your brother. You can't change it. <laughs> Finished. Over. You say, wish. <laughs> you can wish a hundred times, but that, that guy is your brother. That, that person is your sister. You have to deal with it. That's exactly what God does. He never asks your permission. Okay. <laughs> like our parents didn't, didn't ask our permission to have, have our brothers, right? <laughs> <laughs> they went ahead and had anyway. <laughs> so that's exactly, that's what, that. but we are also born of the father, not by the will of man, not by a lot of blood, but by the will of the father. We're all. So everybody who is born again into the family of God is by the will of the father. And if you don't like that brother or sister, you're going against the will of the father. How dare you do that? Very, very painful lessons to learn. <laughs> okay, very, very painful. But we learn it like regardless. So he gathers the flock and he makes them into one and then he leads them. So how does he lead them? Very interesting. 34, Ezekiel, verse 15 onwards. Again, the dealings of a shepherd with the flock. Okay. I will seek that which was lost. We love that. Okay. I will seek that which was lost. So there will be so many sheep in the congregation who are lost. Even now, <laughs> you are listening to my word. So, so many people are lost. We don't know. Okay. They are lost. So what does he do? He brings them back. And he will bring back those people who are driven away. He will bind up and strengthen that which was what? Sick. That's how God deals with us as sheep. Okay. He brings back the lost. He brings back those who are driven away. He binds up the broken and strengthens what it was sick. sick and was, uh, And the next one. But I will destroy the fat and the strong and feed them in. Judgment. <laughs> so the fat sheep also are there. No, we call them the black sheep. No, no, they are not black sheep. They are fat sheep. What does God do? He disciplines them nicely. He disciplines them again. He leads them. Okay, that is the reason why Jeshurun grew fat. And what did he do? He kicked. So what did God do? Discipline him nicely. Send him to Babylon. For 70 years. And after that he came back. And now they became a flock. A flock of God. So what, is, what, do we, what do we do? My sheep. What do they do? They hear my voice and they follow me. So what do we do? We follow God. How do we follow God? We follow God. By following those who follow God. What did I say? We follow God. By following those who follow God. We follow God by following the footsteps of a bunch of church. A bunch of believers who follow God. Let me show you. First Peter. First Peter uh, sorry. First, uh, first Corinthians chapter 11. First Corinthians chapter 11 verse 1. Are you there? Yeah. Imitate me. Just I also imitate Christ. A lot of people say I will only imitate Christ. Do we have a mentor? Nobody has a mentor. They are all their Mazika Raja. So how do we follow God? We follow God by following those people who follow God. Second Timothy chapter 3 verse 10 onwards. 
Second Timothy chapter 3 verse 10 onwards. But you have carefully, look at this. Timothy is telling Timothy, you have carefully followed what? My doctrine, my manner of life, my purpose, my faith, my long suffering, my love, my perseverance, my persecutions, afflictions which happened to me. And you followed me, you didn't give up. Lot of fellows, he followed me, Demas, he followed me, followed me. After a while he said, enough. He forsake me and he loved the present age. He went, he left. Okay. Look at this guy, okay? I think Timothy was about 20 years old. 20 years old when Paul first time met him. It says when Paul met him, met Timothy for the first time, he was a, he was a disciple. Who discipled him? His, his mother discipled him. Okay, his parents discipled him. But think about a parent who can disciple Timothy like that and Paul looks at Timothy and he says, this fellow has to be in my team. What a guy Timothy should have been. What quality. You go to an interview. Your resume looks fantastic. You should be in our team. What can we give you to keep you in our team? That's what they say, right? One of my relatives, he got an offer from one company. And uh, he was going. And they said, what can we offer you so that we can keep you? Look at, look at what it says. He looked at Timothy. One look at Timothy and Timothy said, Paul, Paul says, this fellow, this fellow has to be in my team. And what does he do? He follows. How did he follow? He carefully followed. But you have carefully followed. Do we carefully follow? The doctrine? The manner of life? Purpose? Faith? Long suffering? First of all, doctrine we, we follow maybe. Manner of life, very difficult. What kind of a life did Paul live? Often fastings. That is the reason why Timothy got a stomach problem. <laughs> okay, often fastings only. But he is an incredibly disciplined guy. But Timothy was not. He used to have stomach upsets because of these constant fastings. <laughs> no food today. What are we supposed to do, Paul? Fast? Pray? Manner of life? Purpose? What was your purpose? I have to reach places where, the, where Christ, the gospel has not reached. That's the purpose. My faith, my long suffering, my love, my perseverance, my persecutions. You know what Paul tells about Timothy? He says, I have never seen any other guy other than Timothy who will, who will naturally care for your estate, for your good. That is how he followed. So how do we follow Christ? By following those people who, we are not, we are not uh, lone, uh, lose electrons. Okay. Okay, loose electrons are very, very, very caustic. C-A-U-S-T-I-C. Dangerous. Sodium, no? You put water in sodium, what will happen? Boom! <laughs> Why? Caustic. <laughs> right. Perseverance. Persecutions. Iconium, uh, which happened to me and Iconium at, at Lystra. What persecutions I endured. And out of them, the Lord delivered. Really, Paul? You're in prison. <laughs> <laughs> you are in prison, but he delivered me. So that, how did he deliver me? With Through all this, there was no iota of bitterness in my heart. I loved my brothers. All inertia, Asia forsook me. But you know what? Let God not put them, put it, put it against their charge. That is the kind of attitude he had. And he tells Timothy, don't be ashamed. Don't be ashamed because of my chains. Don't be ashamed. Don't be ashamed. Be diligent to come to me quickly. And he followed him. You know how we follow? 
we follow those people another place another way we follow turn with me to first thessalonians please first thessalonians chapter 1 first thessalonians chapter 1 Mm. Uh, yeah, exactly, exactly. Thank you so much, Dr. Richard. For our gospel did not come to you in word only, but also in power and in Holy Spirit and much assurance, as you know what kind of men we were among you for your sake. And you became what? Followers of us and of the Lord, having received the word in much affliction with joy of the Holy Spirit. You became what? Followers of us and of the Lord. Followers of us. Okay. Happy is a man who's got a mentor whom you can follow. <laughs> but you have to follow several things about that mentor. First, you have to follow his doctrine. Very difficult. Because a time will come when people will not end your doctrine. They cannot, they will not have the teeth to buy doctrine. They will not. They want some sappy candy cotton teaching. They will not get it. They will not have the teeth to buy doctrine. You became followers of us and of the Lord, having received the word in much affliction. And with joy of the Holy Spirit. That is how God deals with us. You become followers of God. Okay. Follow, follow. I will follow Jesus. Everywhere, anywhere, I will follow him. Really? (laughs) Very difficult. He leads us beside the still waters and he also leads us into the valley of the shadow of death. You know why? Because he went there before us. He went there before us. Okay. It's, it's very interesting when Christian goes through the valley of the shadow of death. On the other side, he meets a new guy. You know what he, find, he finds on the other guy? On, on the other guy, on the other side, when he crosses the valley, he finds a friend. His name is Faithful. And only those people who have come through the valley of the shadow of death are those people who have remained faithful to him. They followed him wherever he went. We follow God. And therefore we know God. He didn't say, learn my teaching. He said, just follow me. Follow me. Follow my manner of life. Carefully. That is how we keep ourselves from deception, my dear brothers. We get to know God. We get to know God. And four ways God gets to, gets, makes himself known to us. The dealings of a father and a son. The dealings of a husband with his wife. The dealings of a king with a subject. And fourth, the dealings of a shepherd with his sheep. And when you follow him, by his stripes, you will be you will experience the healing of God. You know why? He keeps on sending healing into your life. Even if people strike you, if they wound you, what will happen? By his stripes, you will continuously experience the healing of God. So this morning, even as we are here, on the 14th of April, 2021, almost uh, three and a half months are over. So let's say, Lord, I want to know you. Truly. Truly, intimately, intensely. And I want to follow you. So that I will keep myself from the deception which is going to come all around the world. Those who know their God, Daniel chapter 11, verse 32. And we will stop. Daniel chapter 11, verse 32. And and then we will stop. Those who... Okay, those who do wickedly against the covenant, he will corrupt with flattery. But he, but the people who know their God shall be strong and carry out great exploits. Let's pray. Father, we just want to thank you, Father, this morning. Father, we want to truly know you. We don't want to know about you. We do not want to know godly principles alone. 
Because we can know a lot about you and we can know a lot about your principles and still not know you. And your word says, my people perish because of the lack of knowledge. And I pray, Lord Jesus, that Lord, through the study of scriptures, even in our own personal life, we will get to know you and we will get to know your power. To know who you are and you will grant us the power to become what you want us to be in what you reveal to us. We thank you, Father. We praise you, we worship you, we give you glory. For in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen.